0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of Dublin Bible Church. Well, if you have your Bible, and I know many of you do, if you don't have a Bible, you probably have a smartphone. Um, And if you have a smartphone, um, no smartphone, you have a Bible, so you're good. It was either or. Package deal. So uh, if you have a Bible or a smartphone or a device or one of the Bibles that are in the seats are actually there for you to use and peruse if need be. We're actually going to be in uh, the book of Ezra again. We'll be here for a while. We've been in here for several weeks. We'll be in here for several more. Um, and we'll be in Ezra 4, or Um I didn't say that right, but it works anyway. So... But we will be in Ezra four, and uh, the main text this morning is verses one through six, and then we're going to kind of jump to verse twenty four. But I have a lot of extra scriptures also to kind of dig into um, as we kind of reveal and apply God's word. Before we uh, jump into the word and the reading of the word, I want to just share something. Just uh, somebody who's actually a part of the, who was a part of this church. Um, For years, and his mother is still a part of this church, Betty Ann Bixby, you don't see her a whole lot, but Betty Ann actually just serves her guts out in children's ministry and DBC Kids. She's probably with some of your kids right now, so if... if you have a child in DBC Kids uh, around the elementary age. She probably is, is loving and ministering to them right now. And maybe a little thank you would be great after the service today um, because you know your kids better than anyone, right? So uh, anyway, um, just talking about my kids and not yours. But so one of the great things about Betty Ann is she has several kids, and all of them serve the Lord, and they want to know the Lord more, and they, want to, they just want to serve the Lord with their whole life. And uh, somebody um, – Stephen and Autumn Bixby, that was Betty Ann's son and daughter-in-law, they actually came, and maybe you were here for this on a Wednesday night, they came in and gave testimony as to what was going on in their ministry. And he was able to tell you all the backstory of them getting into ministry and all that, and we kind of gave him a chance for some Q&A and, and all of that. We put him on the hot seat, made her answer some difficult questions, which is always good to do. That was your opportunity to kind of grill him, and it worked. Um, hopefully he comes back. But Stephen is, is a great, great man of God. And Stephen was kind of living his life and, and doing what he thought he was supposed to do, and yet God spurred him to be a catalyst of the ministry in Haiti. And the ministry was, always, it was already going on, but, but he knew that the Lord was, was calling him there to do the orphanage ministry. And we know that he is. And I just want to share just an update about something that's happened with him. Over the last, I think the last couple weeks, uh, one of his partner churches in Ohio has actually, they had a, a bus, like a bus bus, like big school bus bus, but air-conditioned, not like the one I went to school on when I was a kid, because um, kids are spoiled now, but anyway. So, so like a school bus, air-conditioned, nice bus, this church had the school bus, and they wanted to actually sell it. Well, they couldn't sell it. So what they said was, here's what we'll do. They will donate that school bus to the orphanage ministry of Stephen and Autumn Bixby in Haiti. And it's a bus, right? So that becomes kind of problematic. Well, one of the things, the church was really inspired to do that, but I would say this, if if Stephen and Autumn wouldn't have been obedient to go onto the mission field and answer the call to be the catalyst that they were supposed to be, the other blessings that have followed would not have been in place. Y'all get that? And yet, it's amazing to me that when when the people of God decide, you know what, I'm going to do something by the power of God, oftentimes things just fall into place. And it seems like, and I've even witnessed this here in, in our church. It's just when you kind of make this commitment for Christ and things are going as they should, it just seems like God just ushers in people of belief and and the, the vision for this church specifically is what I'm making reference to. And now all of a sudden, now He's bringing more people and more people and more people and people of vision, and yet God is doing this. And we know that even in the midst of that, there are times when God calls you to make a change. God inspires you, and he, he, he speaks something into you of something you're supposed to change. There's always that person, right? There's always that person. You may even live with them. You might be sitting next to them. But there's always that person who seems to be a little bit critical of the thing that you're inspired to do always seems to be that person who just kind of maybe it's somebody at work and you've kind of you maybe it's somebody that's even in this room maybe it's somebody at home i don't know but it seems like when you or i are called to be a catalyst of something it seems like then all of a sudden we have this these people who now come around us and now these people don't believe the same thing as us And yet it seems like they're operating on a different mission. And I will tell you, they are operating on a different mission. To now the thing that you're supposed to inspire to change by the power of God, now you have this burden because somebody's speaking death over your plan that you believe that God is inspiring. And it seems like every time, and and I believe it's so critical in, in this message because especially coming off of last week, and if you were here last week, it was a powerful time of worship. And, and for you, you're probably wrestling through with, okay, what is, what is God inspiring my preferred v- future to be? What is, what is that one thing that I'm supposed to do? It doesn't matter if you pastor a church or it doesn't matter if you're a stay-at-home mom or anywhere in between. All of us are called to start something and to do something. Some of you just simply need to walk across the room and say, I'm sorry. Some of you need to just go to work and you need to be the light of Christ that God wants you to be. And you've never done it and you don't feel that you can. Some of you need to go out and you need to totally step outside of your comfort zone and do some, some crazy thing for God. And God is inspiring you to do it. It's not a childish thing, but He's inspiring you to do it. And, and we, and you know that you need to. And that is your preferred Future, and God has inspired it in you. But we know that even in the midst of a preferred future with God, that we have to walk through the pain of our past to redeem the future. Happens every time. But in the midst of all of that, we sit on this thing called earth. With these things called people. And as sometimes people just don't believe the same thing as us. Sometimes people don't have the same level of faith as us. And sometimes... Even when God is inspiring a change in you, you start to listen to those people and you stop believing God's promise for you. And in that moment, a part of you tends to die. And in those moments, a part of the vision that God is inspiring you starts to go away and you start to believe a lie. And why are we surprised by this? I mean, why are we surprised when this happens? When, when, when you decide, you know what, I am going to get healthy. And you're not just making a New Year's resolution. You believe that God is inspiring you to do something. And yet you say, you know what, I'm going to do something this year. And I want this to be a catalyst year for me. And I want to get back to being healthy. And yet all of a sudden it seems like somebody just brings those Oreos to work. And you're like, people, don't you know? You don't love me. And they're mint Oreos. We just found these at our house this week. Mint Oreos. If that is not a plot from Satan, I don't know what is. Can I see it? Just a show of hands. Is anyone in I mean, mint Oreos. Talk about a weakness. Good grief. What are these people doing to me? And it seems like you go to make this commitment, and yet it seems like these people, some of them, they know what they're doing, and other people, it just seems like they've fallen there. But why are we surprised when we get distracted from God's best? As a matter of fact, some of Jesus' words, this is not the Scripture that I told you to flip open, so don't think it's weird. I totally planned this. In John 16, verse 30, maybe you want to reflect on this later, I don't know, but I just want this word to kind of wash over you right now. This is what Jesus said well, and the disciples to Jesus, and we're going to see what Jesus said in response. Now we can see that you know all things and and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Jesus answered, you believe at last, but a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I told you these things, this is Jesus, so that, so that in me you may have peace, that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, church, you will have trouble. There will be people who speak death over your dream. There will be people who speak death over over the forgiveness that you're trying to seek someone else. There will be people, people that are probably very, very close to you. And you're going going to want to believe what they have to say. But in the words of Jesus, it says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. Because Jesus says, I have overcome the world. See, we sit on the winning side, and yet we also live in the world. And we live in this place of tension. And and though Satan may not be able to take away our, our, our eternal resting place in Christ, he will not be able to. If you're a follower of Jesus, you cannot lose what Christ has freely given. Amen? And yet in the midst of that, what Satan can do is he can take away your dreams. He can put a damper on your destiny. He can send somebody to take you off course. He can, he can bring somebody who, who, who comes close to you, who seems to be all concerned about what you're concerned about, but at their heart level, they could give a rip. And Jesus says, so much stronger than my words, He says, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. See, we live in a world at war. We live in a world at war. And we have a very strategic place here on earth in this time as Christians to be beacons of hope and love and peace and truth and to inspire greatness of other people. To further illustrate this, I want to break out two things. Just so you know, these are not man dolls, okay? As some would call these to be. These are action figures, right? Amen? Men? Thank you. They're not, they're, they're not, Man Barbies, okay? They're not. These are action figures. When I was, when I was a little kid, I, I used to have this uh, little addiction um, that I'll call the, the G.I. Joe addiction. I had a bunch of them. I would get my allowance, and I would save up two weeks of my allowance, and I'd go out and buy a G.I. Joe. And it was always difficult at Walmart to buy one that I, I didn't already have. So I was like, I was crazy about this. And I would like stalk every store that had G.I. Joes to go in there to get the one that I didn't already have. And I'd accumulated probably like 40 or 50. Um, because I had a problem. But one of my things that, that I had, um, uh, one of the GI Joes that I had was he was a he, his name was Halo, and he was a Halo jumper. And, and for most of you, you probably have no clue as to what this is. But a Halo jumper is this. I, I, I'm I'm inspired to tell you this. And you, this is the reason why you came. Not really. This is a Halo jumper. It stands for high altitude, low opening. So what they would do is they would not only be crazy enough to jump out of an airplane, but when they would jump out of an airplane, by the way, we still have these in the military, they would jump out of an airplane and their chute did not automatically open. So they would jump in at altitudes of about 30,000 or so feet, give or take a few, five, ten thousand, 10,000. And they would jump at this altitude, kind of free fall with their backpack, in speeds of 125 to 200 miles an hour. I have a problem, that's why I know these stats. And then they would, they would go down to approximately 1,500 to 2,000 feet and then they would pull their parachute high altitude low opening but the beauty of a halo jumper is this is they would not only go from high altitude to low opening but their specialty was landing behind enemy lines they would land behind enemy lines and they would go in under the cover of darkness so even when when the enemy didn't expect them and yet the halo jumper would then go in behind enemy lines and they would be used as like His weapons, even in the area of darkness, but they operated specifically behind enemy lines. Action figures, not man Barbies. We clear on that so far? Good. We as Christians are called to operate behind enemy lines. You and I have a divine destiny to redeem broken people people and to redeem the broken world around us. But we have to claim, even before we even get into this word today, we have to claim the words of Jesus. And he says, But take heart, I have overcome the world. We're already on the winning side. So we cannot believe and we cannot believe the lies of the devil, believe the even the lies of people who come around us to speak death to our destiny. They speak death to the plan that, that you believe that God is inspiring you to do. Believe death to the to the crazy thing that makes no sense to anybody else. But you have have a level of faith and you believe that God is inspiring you to do something. Do not believe the devil's lies. Jesus says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And if you're a follower of Jesus, we can clap for that. That's a good thing. But if we are a follower of Jesus Christ, we're already on the winning team. It's just time that we start living like it. Amen. It's just time we start living like it and stop living in defeat. The world is not going to be drawn to the cause of Christ if we live like the world, if we're hopeless like the world, if we have no peace like the world. Jesus said, you can have peace. And he says, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So we're not surprised by this. We're called to live behind enemy lines. The people in Ezra 4, they, they now are moving approximately 50 people through the leadership of a guy by the name of Jeshua and Zerubbabel. I say it differently every week because I don't speak the language, but I try really hard, so hopefully that matters. And yet the, these leaders, they go in and, and the heads of their family, they have been moving from, from Babylon back to their what would be the homeland of their people. And yet the problem is, and I've laid this foundation through the weeks prior to this, there were already people living there. And it was enemy people. So now they were called to live amongst their enemy. How would they do it? The Samaritans had now who was the enemy of these people. And, I, and I've shared this in the months past that they were kind of the enemies of the Jewish people in this time. And yet, now they're living in the land. And they don't even have the same basis of belief. They don't worship God like we worship the Lord God, the Triune God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We don't we, and they do not worship the same God. As a matter of fact, they worship the false God. And yet now the, the, the Israelites are going back to their homeland. They're being inspired to start building. They had started to build the altar of the place where they would offer their, off of their sacrifices. And their, their mission right now is to build the temple. Let's put walls. Let's get the temple built. And yet in the midst of this, we see conflict. Their situation is not that much different than ours. Ezra 4, verses 1 through 6. When the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were building a temple for the Lord, the God of Israel, they came to Serebubal and to the heads of the families and said, Let us help you build, because like you we seek your God and have been sacrificing to Him since the time of Esarhaddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and the rest of the heads of the families of Israel answered, You have no part with us in building of the temple to our God. We alone will build it for the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, commanded us. Then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people, the people of Judah, and make them afraid to go on building. They hired counselors to work against them and frustrate their plans during the, the entire reign, and this is important, during the entire reign of, of Cyrus king of Persia, down to the reign of Darius, king of Persia. In verse 6, we'll go into, at the beginning of the reign of Xerxes, they lodged an accusation against the people of Judah and Jerusalem. So now during during the, king, the reign of three different kings, so now it shows a lapse of time. They have, have set to discourage the work of God in the land. The enemies of God are now... Working against God's people to discourage their plan. And they do it on six different ways. And yet I'm not going to read through, and this is a fascinating read, but for the sake of time, for the sake of time I'm not going to read through this. This shows actually a different... This next set of Scripture is in a different chronological order um, than what's being taught today, so I'm not going to really expound on it. But starting in verse 6, it shows... Even this this accusation that's waged against them. So there's six different weapons that are used against the the people of God to do the work of God to accomplish the dream that God has put in, in them to build the temple. And the consequence of all that we see in verse 24. Thus the work of the house of God in Jerusalem came to a standstill until the second year of the reign of Darius king of Persia. People went in with a dream. We're going to do this. This is going to be wonderful. God is inspiring us to do this. They weren't going in as, as, as an army. They were just going in as people. Zerubbabel and Jeshua, they weren't military leaders. They were more civic leaders. They were just kind of governors. They're going in with this dream and they believed that God had a word for them and they were supposed to do this. But all of a sudden, people start making these accusations. They start lodging these weapons against the people of God to do the work of God. And the work stops. And it stops for 10 years, it just stops. All the excitement wanes. Because all of a sudden they didn't have their eyes on the Lord anymore. All they had their eyes on was the people who opposed them. And they were starting to believe the lies of the enemy that was spoken against them. Charles Spurgeon said this. He says, You may conceal your infirmity or your weakness even from your dearest friend, but you will not conceal it from your worst enemy enemy see to me and this is maybe this is just me maybe maybe not your life but maybe it is it seems like satan never attacks my armor he always finds the soft spots around my armor it's like he's not attacking my armor he always finds kind of the, the the place that i'm not guarded against Just this moment of weakness, and I believe that's what Spurgeon is talking about here. It's like, you can hide it from other people, but your enemy, your greatest enemy, is Satan himself. He knows your weakness. He knows your weakness better than you. And I believe that's exactly what we see in this text. Satan is is inspiring these other people to bring about disbelief and unbelief. And the work stops. Their future is on hold. Their destiny, done. The peace that Christians are promised, they weren't living it. Hope, they didn't have any because they responded in fear. There were six different arrows that Satan lodges at the people. We're going to go through them in order. The first one I draw from uh, verse 2. It says, then came to Zerubbabel and to the heads of the families and said, let us help you build. This is the weapon of infiltration. The weapon of infiltration. Not that your enemy wouldn't stand directly against you, but your enemy may try and sneak up and stand beside you and claim to have some, some hope that you have. That your enemy would come up and say, Hey, let us help you build. I get it. Yeah, let us help you build. We have to be so careful with the agreements that we make, church. We have to be so careful with the agreements that we make. Because so many times we make agreements with the devil and we don't even know it. And we turn a blind eye of faith to it. And yet Satan... Just sends this weapon of infiltration of somebody who claims that they care about what you care about, but they don't. They have their own agenda. It's not God's agenda. It's not your hope. It's not your destiny. It's not your future. It's not your vision. And yet, all of a sudden, these people who claim that they care about what you care about, and now they come up next to you. And if you listen to them, your dream will die. Your destiny will drift. And I can assure you, your hope will wane. That's not, well, maybe it will happen. I'm telling you, it will happen 100% of the time. That's what Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians. He says, bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. I have to let you know this. If If you are not married, if you are not married and you're, you're a single person and you hope to one day be married, this so pertains to your life. If you marry somebody who does not believe the same thing as you, you will li- live the rest of your life in tension. Because you will be pulled in the direction of Jesus Christ if you're a follower of His, and if the person you partner with is not, they will be pulling you away from Him directly, and they will be pulling you into the way of the world. That is 100% of the time. You cannot tame that. You cannot... Tame that. Do not take that word lightly. There is power in that word. That word is truth over you. The weapon of infiltration. It is so, so sneaky. Satan knows your weakness. And he always, if it's like my story, he always seems to find the weak spots, the soft spots around my armor. We have to be so careful with how we allow the weapons of Satan to be used in the weapon of infiltration. Be careful with the agreements that you make and the company that you keep. The second thing is this, and this is taken from verse 4. It says, Then the peoples around them, they set out to discourage the people of Judah, to discourage them. This is the person at work when you go through and you're fired up. Maybe even something that God has inspired through, through this setting, maybe in the weeks gone by. And now you know what that one thing is. But you, you used those words and you, you were vulnerable before someone at work or maybe someone at home and you spoke that into them and you said, I think this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. And you said it over the wrong person. You made the wrong agreement. And the moment that happened, a word of discouragement poured out of their mouth. And as soon as they spoke that word of, 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 rather, discouragement, and they spoke that word of discouragement, it found a place in your heart. And now a part of that dream has already started to wane. Be careful with the company you keep. Be careful with the lies that you believe. And be careful who you tell your dreams to. And I have to tell you, even within the church, church folks are not the best at this. Because the tendency is this the longer you 've been in church, the more the, the more scholarly the more intellectually you become about the word, and the, the less you feel the word and, and i 'm not saying the less the, the less you 're a christian i 'm not saying that, but yet we, we kind of like we live in the word, and we well, the more you learn, the more you start to put things and pieces of the Bible together, and as soon as somebody comes up with a fresh vision that 's not your vision, then all of a sudden what, what happens is even Even, I think, church folks who try and do the right thing, and yet they'll go through and they'll try and theologize. I don't even know if that's a word, but I'm going to use it today. Theologize everything that you said about your dream, and the moment that happens, from somebody you look up to, now that becomes a discouraging word to you. And I have to tell you, we should not only be careful with the company we keep, we also need to be careful with who we tell our dreams to. But before I even press any more into these, and there's four more, before I press into these, I just want to say this. Thus far we've been talking about how there's an enemy on the outside. How there's an enemy on the outside who's saying maybe discouraging things to us or trying to infiltrate God's plan for us. But I would say this, let us not be so quickly, uh, deceive ourselves into thinking that we may not be speaking those words of discouragement over someone else. Let us, let us make sure that, that we're not the person who's infiltrated God's plan and now we have, we have actually added some unbelief of our life into somebody else's life and now we're causing somebody's dream to wane and their hope is fading away and it's all because we as even church folks have errantly said some things of disbelief. Over them. And I have to tell you church. If we're all honest. We're all sitting together. All having a cup of coffee. I don't care if you're on this stage. Or if you're in those seats. We all have areas of unbelief. That God is trying to redeem in us. All of us. If God is inspiring a dream within your heart. A change that needs to happen within your heart. A relationship that needs to be mended, mended uh, around you. A marriage that needs to be reconciled. Seek the help that you're supposed to seek. Have the conversation that you're supposed to have. Give whatever amount of time or money or resources that you're supposed to give. Accomplish it through God's power. You have a dream to accomplish and don't allow the, the, the weapons of Satan to find those soft spots. The third thing that we see in this I don't think this is a stair-step kind of thing. I think these are all kind of operate independently. But it says then, in verse 4, Then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. So, but we do see some, some things mounting here, and now they're afraid to build. What if they attack us? What if the lies that they're spewing over the dream that God was inspiring within them, what if they're actually true? And now there's the spirit of fear. And now, what do we do? We're discouraged. They're wanting to kind of jump alongside of us, but we know through the, the reading of that word that they, they, kind of, they didn't allow them to infiltrate their plans. so they tried a different tactic. They would just try and discourage with words. And now they're trying to inflict fear. Now they're trying to inflict fear. Fear is such a strong weapon. We talked about that. I'm not going to really elaborate on that. Such a strong weapon from Satan. And fear is the one thing that will make you stop dead in your tracks. And your dream will die so, so fast if you start living in fear. So we talked about that. I'm not going to dig into that anymore. Verse 5, they hired counselors to work against them. Counselors to work against them so now it's just frustrating the plan so it's like okay yeah we're going to do this and we're going to get the stones together here and we're going to get this together here and now they've actually hired people from the outside to say hey let's move that pile of stone over here uh, we'll just we'll we'll wear them out that's cool we'll do that we'll just we'll do just just discourage their plan we'll just discourage their plan so all of a sudden they were, we're discouraged and now we have fear and and now they're just they're just adding insult to injury. And now it's it's the weapon of frustration that is resting over the people. This weapon of frustration. We've all been frustrated, haven't we? And and I have to tell you, this issue of being frustrated, for us, we we have to live in the knowledge that Jesus says that He has overcome the world. We are overcomers. We can't become frustrated. I I had an experience at the gym a while back, and was At the gym, and sometimes maybe this is weird to you, but I was at the gym, and I was put on uh, I was put on earbuds and kind of do my own thing listen to my to messages, sometimes even my own messages that 's kind of weird hearing my own voice for like forty minutes or fifty or whatever but that's kind of weird but, but but sometimes i'll just kind of turn it down really low so I can hear the conversations around me just so maybe i 'll be able to have a meaningful conversation i won't just shut out the world around me um, and so I kind of had the had my earbuds in, and, and yet I was kind of like I don't know, kind of nosing maybe nosing into people's conversations, maybe a little. But uh, as I'm kind of sitting there and I'm doing my own thing, and I'm trying to you know act like I'm recovering from what I was doing, but I probably wasn't doing very much. And and these people, are, these guys, are around me, and they started knocking the other people who had just joined the gym. It was around the first of the year, and, and if you have a gym membership, you know that at the first of the year. There's, it goes from like nobody in December, and then all of a sudden, it's like it's lockdown mode come January and starts to trickle down in February. By the time it's March, everything's back to normal. That's kind of the normal thing. But I was kind of sitting there, and I was thinking, and they're saying some things out loud. I know other people can hear it too. And, and these guys are sitting here, and they're like, yeah, I don't even know why these people try. Like, they come in, I don't even know why they try. They're in here. You know they're going to be gone in two months. I don't even know why they try. They just need to make a different New Year's resolution. Nothing's going to change. You need to go back to eating Oreos and da-da-da-da. And I'm like, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I mean, I'm not a big man, mind you. And they were bigger men. But I'm like, I'm starting to, like, rev up here and starting to, like, my back's starting to tighten up. And I'm I'm like, that's not even right. Like, how? Who were they to speak death over somebody else's dream? Maybe God, what God is trying to inspire over them. So I did what anybody who's, you know, buck 65 and 5'7 would do with somebody who's six foot and 225-ish. I said, I kind of sat there and I, I kind of stood up and they're just spewing all this stuff. And it's out loud and everybody can hear it. And, and I'm like, I said, but you know what, guys? At least they're trying. Sure, maybe some of them won't make it. Maybe they won't be here in March, but you know what? They have guts for simply trying. And then I said, yeah, that's, that's really cool. You, you need to, you know, take off your sister's Smedium shirt and, you know, and hide that 80s tribal tattoo, which is fading nicely on your arm. And, and I, I didn't say that, of course. I wanted to. I, I, wanted, I mean, I really wanted to. Medium, I, I said it right. And yet, you know, it's so, it's, it had to have been frustrating to them because they're saying these things out loud, but yet I just felt like, you know what, enough's enough. Who are they to frustrate somebody else's plan? They don't know what God's doing, or maybe, maybe that's just them and their flesh, and God's not inspiring that at all. And I'm not saying that everybody operates under divine authority, but, but who are they to frustrate someone else's plan? I would say this who are we to frustrate somebody else's plan? What if this year was a year that would that would really change the whole dynamic in this church? To where we would all be exploring and trying different things and all of us we would step out of our our, our, just the boundary of our faith and unbelief that we would step up and say, you know what? I'm not okay with being a cultural Christian anymore. I, I I don't want to be a carnal Christian. I'm not okay with just being a nominal Christian. But I have to tell you this, we have have to stop chasing the things of the world and start chasing the things of God or else we will live in constant defeat. And our, our potential to change the world around us will fade away. We have to be careful with the lies we believe and we also have to be careful with the things that we speak. So we see the weapon of frustration. The next one is just the weapon of Fatigue. The weapon of fatigue. So it's, it's working against them. And you're, you're frustrating the plan. And now we're trying to tire them out. It's just... But oftentimes, we tire ourselves out. We, we, we run at such a pace that god's dream for us is not even sustainable ourselves that we run with such a pace and we control this and we're running chasing the things running and taking our kids from here to there and who we're going to do this and i got to got to get my kids this and i got to run to make it for this and i got to do this and maybe your schedule that your work schedules is erratic and that just adds just compounds the issue for you i don't know but oftentimes we can control this ourselves And we can even inflict this weapon upon ourselves where we will wear ourselves out. And we get to the place where we say, you know what, I don't even have the energy to do that anymore. So we have to take some time and we have to rest in Jesus. Take the time just to spend with Him. Is the working against of the people and now trying to frustrate them. The working against is the fatigue and now the frustration It's out of order on the screen. And now the sixth thing is this. The weapon of accusation. I didn't read this text, but this accusation really cut to the core of them. Because now, now they realize that they didn't have any potential to do anything else amongst the people. The work, I believe, was still continuing. So now this is the last ditch effort. Now we're just gonna we're gonna lodge this weapon. We're gonna see if it finds a home in this weapon of accusation now lodged over to them. If saying, you know what, verse six at the beginning of the reign of Xerxes, they lodged an accusation against the people of Judah and Jerusalem, and the accusation was like this. Who are you to do this work? Who are you to use these supplies? Where did you get all those supplies from? We need to go back and we need to check with the king as to what's going on here. We need to check the facts because you say the king offered all these things, but we don't believe what you're saying. So now they're sending an accusation, and this accusation is now being sent to Xerxes, who's now two kings down the line. Cyrus, Darius, and then now Xerxes, 10 years later. And now they're sending this accusation. And the king, he does, and I think what the king should do, the king says, We're going to stop it. We need to stop what we're doing. You need to stop the build until we get the facts straight. And the work stopped, the dream died, hope waned for 10 years. 10 years. I don't know about you, but I don't want to waste 10 years of my life. If God is inspiring a dream in you right now, it's not for a dream for 10 years down the road. He's He's inspiring you to do something today. It may not be fulfilled until 10 years, but He's inspiring something in you today so you can start working toward that 10 year. So I just want to I'm gonna whittle all of this down. And I'm gonna I'm not gonna to go to Ephesians 6 where. In times like this, we would go to Ephesians 6 because it talks about the armor of God. But instead, I want to draw your attention to this scripture. And this is going to be the last scripture that's discussed in this talk. It's James 4.7. I believe if we were to do what this word says in James 4.7... that we can claim victory over all of these weapons. This is what James' letter Letter says, chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. And he's going to hang out. Is that what it says? Resist the devil. And he's just going to He's going to just nag you a little while longer. Is that what it says? Is that, is that what it says? What does it say? He will flee from you. He has to flee from you. He has to flee from you. If we submit ourselves to God... We submit ourselves to God. And literally, that word submit in this text, it means be obedient to. That means do what it is that God is calling you to do. You're obedient to Him. You're obedient to God. God's dream for you, inspiring you to dream and to big and to offer forgiveness and to forgive other people and to seek the help you're supposed to give and to give the time and the energy and the resources that He wants you to do. You submit your life to the Lord and your way to the Lord. And we resist. We resist. And that means to be hostile toward. That we as Christians are to be hostile toward Him. Not to to welcome Him in, but, but to be hostile toward Him. We are to operate behind enemy lines. We are all beacons of hope in a dark place known as the world. And it says that Satan will flee from you. What if you lived without reality? What if you lived without reality? What if you took the truth of this scripture and you applied this to the very people who are nagging your dream right now? What if you took this, this the truth and you applied this scripture... With the dream, listen to me church, listen, listen, to the the dream that God is inspiring you to do right now. What if you claim this verse over your own unbelief because you, in the core of you, don't believe that you are capable of doing it yourself. If we're obedient to God, it's not you doing it, it's Him doing it through you. Maybe your weakness is the very thing that would be the catalyst for God's strength through you. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. Stand in opposition to. And he will flee from you. God, I don't know where this passage lands with folks today. Lord God, I believe that that if we were to be honest... I believe that every one of us, if we've had some life under us, I believe that, that we have probably spoke ill words over somebody else's dream in the past. God, as we just kind of offer this time to you, God, just... Maybe just in the stillness of this moment, Maybe we just need to make some confession. Just some confession about things that that we have done wrong. Some, Some sins that we have committed. Maybe now even the light bulb is coming on where we're starting to realize, wow, Satan has used us to dampen somebody else's dream. God, as we come before you today, We ask for forgiveness. We ask that we would be able to run the race that it is that we're supposed to live. God, that we would do it in a way that honors you and you alone. Lord Jesus, you have inspired every one of us who are followers of yours to operate behind enemy lines. Lord God, for... Maybe those of us, maybe we've had somebody speak ill words over our dream and they're trying to inflict fear upon us and they say, maybe it's even somebody that that we love and and we've made this claim to say, this is what I believe that God wants me to do and now we have this person who's kind of looming over them with this, this unbelief. God, help us with our unbelief. We praise you, Jesus. You are the giver of all good things. We honor you and you alone. Amen. Church, we're going to land right here. But in your worship guide, there are some fill-in-the-blanks. There are four, as a matter of fact. And here's our option. With, with a talk like this, here are our options. First fill-in-the-blank is, you can just give up on your spiritual goals. You can just give up. You can just say, nope, not me, not now, and I don't know how. Not me. And you can give up. Or, you can settle for second best. You can say, you know what, I know what God's dream is here. God's dream is this, but I'm just going to settle here. In the land of mediocrity. You could blame God. When Satan. Gives those weapons. Or sends those weapons to you. Or blame other people. Or maybe for us. Maybe we need to do the last thing. That being the best thing. Cling to the truth. That he's just given you. I love you church. As God inspires you to change something or maybe to change someone or maybe even a change that's supposed to happen in your own heart, readjust your armor. Readjust your armor. Cling to the truth of Scripture. Submit yourselves to the Lord. Resist the devil and be assured he will flee from you. Amen.